You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. So, so this morning we're going to talk about Christmas joy. And the word joy, uh, we can have joy even on a morning like this when things don't get go as planned. We can have joy in a morning when Christmas turkey doesn't go or the gifts or whatever it might be. Because joy does not uh, rely on our external circumstances. And I think God sometimes has a sense of humor in just how he desires to orchestrate things on a day even like today. But joy is so oftentimes associated with Christmas. Decorations inside and out. You see the word joy displayed over things, and so and, and so we we see that um, even here in, in some of the pictures you're going to see on the screen. But then there's the Advent joy candle. One of the ways that oftentimes churches will celebrate the season of Advent of Christmas with the joy candle. There's the Christmas carols that sing about joy, um, joy to the world. We're going to be singing that at the end of the service today. There's also O Come, All Ye Faithful joyful and triumphant or oh little town as we were just singing joyful all ye nations rise and so the word joy is all through Christmas and ultimately however the Christmas season goes we see this word joy and we we think that because of the Christmas season we should somehow automatically be filled with joy but honestly the Christmas season how we oftentimes choose to celebrate it can't impart true joy. It can impart and does impart Christmas cheer, but Christmas joy, it can impart Christmas happiness through all the parties and the baking and the feasting and the gifts and the family coming over and the games and, 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 and the laughter and the ugly sweaters and the card comas that, that people go into sometime late on Christmas Day, leave you looking for those stretchy pants, you know, just to kind of make you feel a little more comfortable. You know, the, the sweet stories we hear this time of year of giving and goodwill and, and all of this happens this time of year and somehow all of these warm and fuzzies are so supposed to create some sort of joy, but, but ultimately not biblical joy, not true joy, not lasting joy. And this will create happiness and good cheer, but not necessarily equate to Christmas joy. Now listen up. True joy, Christmas joy, lasting joy is a recognizable internal gladness found only in Jesus. True joy is found only in Jesus. Listen to, and, and you can see it on the screen, this quote by John Piper. <clears throat> he zeroes in here on, on joy that is unique to Christians, and this is true joy. Look at this quote. I believe it's on the screen there for you. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit, and he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world, in, in the Word, and in the world. The Spirit of God works in the lives of his children, God's people to produce joy. And there can be joy regardless of the circumstances. Remember the Apostle Paul, he wrote the book of Philippians, and where did he write it from? From jail. And, and it's oftentimes referred to as the epistle of joy, because, or joy on the prison floor, because despite our circumstances, there can be true joy that we can experience, and that comes only from Jesus. Look again at the quote there by John Piper. 
We see the beauty of Christ revealed in the Word of God. The Word of God is so rich. That's why we love the Word of God here at Hope Bible Church, because there's such a beauty, and we see the beauty of God. But also we see His beauty in, in the world. We see it in creation around us. We see it in His gifts. We see it in people. We see it all around in nature in so many different ways. I thought by the end of the week this cold was um, was nearly done, but I see it still is still hanging on, and uh, so I'll take a few pauses for water from time to time as well as um, somebody gave me a concoction here this morning. I, I trust I, it doesn't make me too hyper or drunk or anything like that. It's actually elderberry, so if I get really crazy or sleepy, you'll know we'll blame Marlene Martin for it. So thank you. Supposed to quote coat my throat, so uh, we'll we'll keep going with that. Uh, Anyways, God is the author and the giver of true, ultimate, lasting, despite the circumstances, joy. And Christmas joy entered the world 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ came to this world. When Jesus entered, joy entered with him. And from this passage this morning that we see in Luke chapter 2, we can see three truths about Christmas joy. And, and the first one is true joy is available to all. We're going to pick this up in, in, in verse 8 of, of Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy, and it's going to be for all the people, the angel said. This is the arrival of the long-waited, long-hoped-for, long-anticipated Messiah that had been for centuries had been longed for and waited for and spoken of. They had come through centuries, even 400 years of silence. No new prophecies, no new scriptures, no freedom from the oppressors. Just a lot of darkness and discouragement for God's people. And then one night outside of Bethlehem, the angels appear. And one night in Bethlehem, joy appeared. Jesus appeared. And for the shepherds, one minute they're just out, you know, doing what guys do around the fire. You know, probably, you know, just telling tall stories, scratching, you know, their heads and, and you know, their, their feet or whatever it is that, that they might want to scratch. And, and they're just around telling stories and whatever. And all of a sudden, everything lights up. One minute they're keeping watch over their flocks, standing no doubt around the fire. The next moment, they're scared out of their wits by an angel messenger and then a whole chorus of angels. And God revealed, I mean, this is so amazing. When you think about this, that God revealed, he announced the coming of his son, the promised one, the awaited one, the son of God, deity coming to earth to a bunch of shepherds, to a bunch of lowly, considered in society, losers kind of guys. Shepherds were considered shady characters, oftentimes had a criminal background, oftentimes they were seen as untrustworthy. In fact, their, their testimony wasn't admissible in court. That's how bad they were, you just couldn't be trusted with them. And yet God takes the greatest news 
in the history of the world up until that time, and he bypasses the elite, the smart, the, the princes, those with power, the educated, the influential, and he comes to a bunch of lowly shepherds. That's the kind of God we have, and those are the, that's the kind of people that he shows up to today. And this is the Christmas paradox. The king, the creator of this world, the creator of this universe, the son of God, comes in the form of a baby, in, in a humble, lowly estate, in a manger he is placed, to poor parents. And the announcement comes to shepherds. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It happened in a small and insignificant town. Jesus wasn't born in a golden palace, but he was born in a stable and placed in a manger. The mighty king of the world, of the universe, became helpless and dependent on parents, on earthly people, on his own parents. He became small. And Jesus came to this earth the way that we come into this earth. But he came into this world of, of beauty and yet brokenness. And so if God can show up and announce this good news to a bunch of lowly shepherds, this means there is good news for any and all people today, anyone in this room. Even in the messy places of our lives, Jesus will show up. He desires that. That's where he runs to. No matter how small or insignificant we may think we are, there's no sin in our past. No matter what we have done in the past, we can be forgiven. We, Jesus comes running to the sinner to redeem a stained past. He can and will, and sh he will show up in the conflicts that we face in life, in our relationships, in marriages, in, in our business, whatever it might be. He is there with us. In fact, he, he longs to run towards us. He shows up in the long nights and the snotty nose, noses of, parents, of parenting. He does. In the diapers, the endless amount of diapers some of you may be going through uh, with your young children. He shows up in the deep and the lonely confusion and the hurts and even in the abuse of life. He shows up there. He is there. And there is good news of great joy that is for all people. God isn't afraid to show up in the unlikely, the unseen, the humble places. In fact, we might even say he prefers those places where meek souls will receive him. The dear Christ enters in. The second way that we see here, another reason for Christmas joy, is that true joy was born and placed in a manger. Verse 11, for unto you was born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were, was, a, was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. I remember hearing one day when our kids were quite young that one day modern technology would evolve to the point where a simple cell phone would be used to replace so many electronic devices and be used for so many different things, like your banking or paying your bills. 
even when it came to cameras and video cameras and all of these different things. From your emails and, 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 and you would use all of these things and you would do it from a simple phone just like this. I remember when I received my first text message and I was, it was with one of those flip phones, I think actually, one of these babies here. Remember getting the very first, some of you remember a flip phone like this and sending one back, you had to hit buttons so many times and different things and you know, and I just thought, what a silly, impersonal way to send messages. It'll never catch on. Like who would do this? And now it's become what? Kind of the preferred mode of communication for so many people. And, and I remember like when we would pack, our, our families knowing whenever we go on a trip, we kind of tend to overpack and take a lot of stuff with us. And, and, and honestly, when we would go on trips to the Calgary Zoo from we lived outside of Edmonton with our young kids, and we'd go home to Saskatchewan and come to BC, not only would we pack the luggage and all the different things for our young kids, but, I mean, it would look like we came from the Far East, like from Asia or something, because we looked like one of the tourists that so oftentimes is stereotypical, you know, when it comes to visitors like those, uh, like those from Asia uh, that, that come to Canada. Because, um, sorry, I'm going to have to walk over here and grab it, but some of the things... Some of the things that, that we would pack with us was, you know, first of all, of course, our flip phones, you know, and, and we had those with us. But then both Charlotte and I both had digital cameras, you know, just to, because, I mean, these things had terrible cameras on them. Then we had our, our great MP3 players. I, this one was 128 megabytes, could put like at least 25 songs on that, like four majors, so we'd have that pack. You know, and that would be in a pocket somewhere. And, and then, of course, there would be, you know, that little camera, and then I would take a bigger camera with the zoom lens that would be on us, and seriously, I would be seen around the Calgary Zoo with another camera like this, and with the video cameras wherever we would go, I mean, we would have this with us, and, and, and you mean to tell me that there is going to be an invention one day on a cellular telephone that you would be able to do basically all of this stuff that I just described to you on one simple little phone? You've got to be kidding me. That's crazy. I can't imagine a day like that would ever come. And if it did, I'm all in. That would be rather exciting if it actually did. And, and I tend to take a lot of pictures. I now have access on my cellular device 25,000 pictures, 1,500 videos. I mean, and like I just got a lot of pictures dating back a little ways, you know. And, and, and so, you know, you have this and... and, and I, I couldn't believe that a day like that would come. And I remember thinking there's no way that day would come. Now that illustration is so minute and so small and I'm almost embarrassed to even give it, but it, 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 because it pales in so many ways when we think about the way that Christ came to this earth. The Old Testament prophets spoke and wrote of the day that Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, would come to this earth 700 years before Isaiah, Micah, the prophets would write. 700 years before the first Christmas night, Isaiah wrote that, that Messiah would be born of a virgin. Micah, in, in chapter 5, would write that, that, that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. 
and, and all of these prophecies, waiting, longing for one day for this to happen. And around the time of Micah the prophet, we see the different prophecies regarding Jesus. And the people for years, for centuries, for 700 years, longed and waited for this day. And Micah would then write, and you'll see these words up on the screen, the verses from Micah chapter 7 and, and verse 18 and 19. And it talks about what God would do through the Messiah. And this is why the people longed for and waited for it. Look at this verse. He delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will treat our iniquities, uh, tread on our iniquities underfoot. And you will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. And so when the angel appeared to, to Joseph in, in Matthew chapter 1, remember when Joseph was doubting and wondering, Mary's pregnant, she's telling the story, it's of the Holy Spirit, I don't know what to believe her, I should just divorce her. I, I can't believe that this is all happening. And that angel appeared to him and that angel said that your child, that this child that Mary will have and your stepson Joseph, he will save the people from their sins. And that's exactly what Jesus would do. Amen. He came to this earth as a baby in a manger. Jesus of Nazareth, God in the flesh. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life and he went to the cross. He was wounded and beaten for our sins and he died in our place as a suffering servant as Isaiah 53 prophesied. And then as promised once again was victorious over sin and death rising from the dead. And that's how God tramples on our sin just as it was prophesied in, Matthew, in Micah chapter 7. That God tramples on our sin and places them in the deepest part of the sea, never to be brought up again. Look at those words again in, in verse 11. The angel told the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. What a concentration of powerful words. A Savior, that word means a rescuer, a deliverer is coming. <laughs> Christ is, in, is the Greek word for Messiah or anointed one. And then the word Lord is a term for deity, a sentiment for God. Jesus Christ, or, or a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the long-awaited Messiah, the promised one would come. And what Mike, Micah and Isaiah and all the other prophets wrote about and promised, promised for centuries... And others anticipated for hundreds of years and went to their graves without seeing that hope happen. Now on the side of the hill, outside of Bethlehem, it was all happening. And God, we can see, is faithful to his promises. Hundreds of promises about Jesus, the Messiah, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, all fulfilled completely. We talked about that a number of weeks ago. And there are still more promises in the Old Testament where there's more promises in God's word about Jesus coming again. And so we can take the words, word of God and we can trust them. That God sent his son. He sent his son into this messed up world, into our sin, into our mess ups, into our messed up lives and families and choices that we've made, into our rebellion. And he died for us. And when we run to Him, when we trust Him, 
when we rely on and cling to Jesus to be the full and satisfying payment for our sins, God treads on our sin. He stamps it into the ground and then he picks it up and he takes it and he throws it into the depth of the sea and weights it so heavily that it goes right to the bottom and never to be dug up again. That's what he does. That is this Messiah who came. Martin Luther said, the great reformer, he said that when we look at the manger in Bethlehem, we should see wood that would one day take the shape of a cross. And all of this started in the manger with a baby. And you see, the manger is not just a cute little nostalgic story. What Micah, Isaiah, and the saints of old waited and longed for and hoped for is now a reality. That's why we can sing joy to the world. And in a few moments, we're going to be singing that joy to the world. The Lord has come. This is a Christmas carol, but it was not originally written by Isaac Watts to only be a Christmas carol because it's so much more than a Christmas carol. Verses 1 and 2 talk about Jesus, his birth coming to this earth. But then as we get to verse 3, it's going to talk about the curse and, and how the curse of sin has been broken. In verse 3, we see that. And, and Jesus came and he destroyed sin by becoming sin. He became the curse for us. Galatians, the Apostle Paul tells us about that. And then when we get to the final verse, it hasn't happened yet. Where it goes, he rules the world with truth and grace. That hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. And just as God was faithful to all those promises that we see in the Old Testament, Jesus first coming to earth, he rules the world. That's going to be a one day when he comes as king, as conquering king. And with all of his children, all of those who have put their faith and trust with him, in him, will rule and reign one day, will experience a new heaven and a new earth for all of eternity. And this is all still yet to come. And so joy to the world looks at the past, but it looks at what's happened even currently now to our sin as he has broken the curse of sin. It anticipates the day that Jesus will one day return and rule and reign in his kingdom forever and ever. And all the promises. That's why, folks, you can take no matter what you are going through right now and you apply the promises of God's word. And that's why even the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1 that all the promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Every promise can be trusted in his word. He is faithful and he is good and, he is, and we ought to trust him. There's a savior, a deliverer, a rescuer, God in the flesh who came to this earth. This is why Christmas is such a big deal. And this is why, because joy was born and placed in a manger. He can rule and reign in our hearts, offering his peace, his presence in the midst of craziness and chaos. And then one day we will all, his children, sing joy to the world that he rules the world with truth and grace. I trust you will be ruling and reigning with him one day. And finally, we see the last point here, and then we'll bring this to an end, that finally we see it in number three, true joy is mine by seeking and receiving Jesus. When the angels, verse 15, we're picking it up here, when the angels went away from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. 
They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who wondered at it, wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. See, Christmas is all about the big search, isn't it? Shepherds went searching with great haste. And yet so oftentimes our Christmas, we're searching with great haste, aren't we? Were you shop who was shopping yesterday? Hands up, true confession. Boy, not a lot of you. How many of you are already done? Crazy people. Organized or something? Come on. Good for you. That's what, Because we're all in search for the right gift, right? You know, and, and, and Christmas is all about that. We're in search of having a very merry or a nice little Christmas. And, 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 and of course, we you know, want to search for the best deal possible. We want quality, but we also would love it for the best price possible. And, and uh, you know, we want to make sure that it arrives in time for Christmas. Well, I remember I was about 10 years old and I went on a Christmas search. I wasn't shopping. I was the one receiving, but I was so excited and concerned about receiving a certain gift that it, it was just eating me up. I couldn't sleep at night. I just dreamed about receiving a digital derby. I think there's a picture of it. There we go. I mean, there's nothing digital about it, but, you know, I circled it in the Sears catalog, and I talked about it and hinted about it, and, and, and my birthday is before Christmas, and so when I didn't get it for my birthday, then I went into overdrive concern that I may not get this, and I had been banking and hoping and telling my friends I'm getting digital derby, and, and, um, and so my parents left the house for a little bit, and I went on a search, and I found that thing. Well, I found a box buried way back in the closet and um, but it was wrapped and I'm like man that looks like about the right size but I've got to be sure so I actually tore the paper and I saw the little flashing lights kind of like you know kind of the nice little picture on the box and I was like yes yes and then I'm like how do I cover over my sin and so I card that said to Melden love mom and dad and I just eased it off carefully and just positioned it over perfectly placed it back and boy I slept like it well no I didn't sleep that well because I'm so excited I was getting digital derby outside I still have the toy believe it or not some of my siblings broke it it doesn't quite work but I still for whatever reason I haven't been I was going to try to get it this morning but uh, but but didn't it's uh, in a box somewhere but if you ever want to see it come on over I'll show you a digital derby and uh and I was like, oh, I've got the box. I like, got this gift that's so amazing. Well, once again, that story is just a sick and a silly. doesn't even compare to what the shepherds, the search that they went on. Notice how the shepherds, upon hearing this good and kids, don't you dare go looking and doing that same thing that I told you, okay? Otherwise, there will be church discipline for you of some sort, I'm sure. Your parents will. And, you know, I have confessed it many times to my parents since then because they'll probably hear it once again as they listen online later on today. Anyways, um, we move on. 
The shepherds, upon hearing this news, they go on the ultimate search. It's in Bethlehem. The baby, what, they're, what they've heard about, it's in Bethlehem. They drop everything. They give it up. Who cares about those crazy sheep? Who cares? No one's sticking behind. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's search. And so we don't know what they were doing. If they were going to every barn, every stable, or somehow they just, first one, you know, and they got to the right place. They go on a search with great haste. They didn't waste any time. And what ended up happening? They ended up praising God at what they saw. For they, when they saw him, they were blown away. It's just as the angel said, Messiah has come. And what an encouragement this was for Mary. Everyone else was confused by this. And yet their search ended up resulting in something great. You know, it's, it's interesting. In Matthew chapter 2, in that version of the Christmas story, the wise men, when they went to Jerusalem and inquired about this king that was born, the theologians, the Bible scholars, they said, oh, yes, 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 uh, scripture does say, Michael, that's going to be born in Bethlehem. And, yes, 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 you're correct. And, and yet they didn't go. Hear the best news that had happened, and yet Herod, and, and, and it's like, yeah, come back and tell us if you find the Messiah. They were so busy in their own lives, in their own religion, just, you know, in, in, in their pomp and their circumstance and whatever it is that they had that they wouldn't even go. And yet, God's word says that when we seek him and we, we will find him when we seek him with all of our heart, that's in Jeremiah 29, God promises, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. There was a desperation in the seeking. And as they sought after Jesus, they found him, they received this good news. And because of that manger, and then later, 33 and a half years later, because of the cross, we can find and receive forgiveness of our sins. And because of the resurrection, we can find victory and we find victory over sin and death because Christ conquered it all. That is the real gift of Christmas and it is available today. Jesus, the real gift of Christmas, he alone can address the emptiness and the loneliness, the void that we can experience in our own lives. This picture for me is just kind of a stunning reminder of the way our own hearts are, each one of us. There is this God-shaped hole that is in every human heart. And it will only be satisfied and filled by one thing, and that is the truth about Jesus Christ. Receiving and seeking after him and receiving him. St. Augustine had this quote. He said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. We have been created in the image of God for a relationship with God. And until we are engaged, until we fill that hole in our heart with the promise of Christmas with Jesus Christ, if we fill that hole in our heart with what we've been created for, until we do that, there will be a loneliness and an emptiness and a confusion and a seeking that will never fill it. Put that picture back up there once again. That hole cannot and will not be filled with anything or anyone other than Jesus. And that offer of a relationship stands today. It stands until you take your last breath, but don't wait because you don't know when that will be. 
There's an offer of a relationship with God that is for us here today. To be part of his family, to have sins forgiven, to see the curse of sin broken, and eternity in heaven one day. And until we seek after him and receive him personally, the real true gift of Christmas, we'll never be satisfied. We'll never have a relationship with God that will go past this life that will get us to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can have that hole filled in your heart today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads here this morning. And Brett is just going to sing uh, one verse and of in Christ alone over us. And I would encourage you and challenge you that all what we've talked about here today it is ours. It can be yours today when we trust Jesus to be the full and satisfying payment for our sins. And even as your heads are bowed, even right now, just even in your own heart, you can talk to God. You can talk to Him saying something along these lines that just in an open and honest way before God, you can tell Him, hey God, I've, I, conf I confess my sin to you. I've messed up. I've sinned. I've hurt others, but more importantly, I've hurt you. God, would you forgive me? I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son into this world. Born as a baby in a manger. Died on the cross for my sin. The full and satisfying payment for that sin. It's understanding that I deserve death and to be separated from God for eternity. But God, instead you give us life. So today, in your own heart, just pray before God that you desire to repent, to turn from your sin, asking Him to forgive you. Turn from your agenda, your way, and desire in your heart today to honor and to live for Him by putting your faith and your trust, not in good works, not in that it will all work out in the end, but putting your faith and your trust and your hope, a confident hope in Jesus, our Savior. Just take time to pray that in your heart this morning. And, and when you do that, and if you do that, the greatest miracle in this world takes place in, for you personally. Your sins are forgiven. God Almighty comes into your life, to your own soul, by the Holy Spirit. Will give you his presence and his peace. And we want to help you grow in that relationship. That's what we're here about. Or maybe you're here and you've kind of wandered away. You've kind of been putting Jesus off to the side and trying to fill your life with all kinds of other things and it's not satisfying and it's not working out for you. You know it. You're, you're trying it. You're still coming up empty. Put him back in the center today. Confess You've been running from him and turned back towards him and he will wrap his arms of love around you.